Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and I am here another beautiful day. Well, it all depends on where you're listening from, but I know we can find beauty in everything and that's why you're such a darn visionary. That's why we do this show just for you. And today I have uh, something I'm really, really excited about, of course. I know I say I'm excited every week, but this time when I have a guest that really speaks to my heart, that really impacts my life, this is what this week is about. And I have uh, someone really, really cool, none other than Josh Landon. And uh, Josh, well, he started actually telling his career story from behind the lens, filming, directing, writing, producing films and documentaries all around some of the world's top surfers, snowboarders, and skateboarders. So I know we're going to get into that. Um, he's had a ton of phenomenal athletic friends. And eventually he created St. Archer Brewing Company and later became Harlem Brewing Company. So I want to talk all about the brew world. And somewhere in there, we're going to get into the world of what is taking the world by storm, in my opinion, hard seltzer. You've probably heard of some of those. And well, Ashland Hard Seltzer is a phenomenal new brand coming out. And I am sitting here talking to the founder. So without any further ado, Josh, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I am so, uh, so excited. We had a little technical uh, difficulties we started, but you are here and we are in studio and we're ready to go. We did it. So dude, First question, I mean, like, I thought we were going to have this whole conversation about, um, you know, the alcohol industry and like how to, because I have a lot of questions about how to get into that. But yeah, you, you started filming. And did you kind of get pulled into, you know, the skateboarding, surfing kind of scene first and then started filming stuff? Or are you one of those filmmaker creative types that happen to have a hobby? How, tell me how this kind of comes together early on in life. Yeah, so I grew up in Ventura, California which is about 30 minutes south of Santa Barbara uh, here in Southern California. And, um, you know, kind of growing up at the beach and, and um, picking up surfing in, in high school. And, and I think you, you quickly, if you fall in love with surfing, you, it's very quickly to find out that you're, you're probably not going to be a professional, right? <laughs> and it's going to be like a hobby for you for, for hopefully the rest of your life. And, um, you know, for me, I think around, it was kind of the, you know, this is the mid to late nineties. So it was really the heyday of the surf film, you know, and Taylor's what Taylor Steele was creating in, um, Solana beach down here in San Diego. And I started watching his movies and, and really just fell in love with them and, and wanted to, 
you know, make surf films like he did. And it just so happened in Ventura and, you know, Santa Barbara counties, you have some of the best surfers in, in surfing's history that have come out of that region. And so, um, I bought a video camera and started filming surfing and, um, started filming those guys up there. And a lot of the guys that were in Taylor's movies were, were living in Ventura and I could film them. And, you know, they, I just kept at it and he, they introduced me to Taylor Steele and, um, I started filming for him and traveling around the world for him. And, um, and then I made my first film when I was 20 and then kind of the, you know, 10 films later, um, you know, did pretty well. It's incredible. What was the, what was the networking like? I'm, I'm just trying to imagine you kind of, you know, young guy on the beach. I want to start filming stuff. And then you see probably in your eyes, right? These celebrity surfers that are, these guys are the ones I watch in the movies and yeah. they're just out surfing. Did you just like yeah. get shots of them or do you go up and yeah. say, Hey, excuse me, Mr. So-and-so. <laughs> yeah. All of the above, uh, knocking on their door cold. Really? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And asking them where they're going to surf that day. And I'm young at this point, right? I'm 18. And these guys, you know, you're a 25 year old professional surfer. And, you know, back then you could only see these guys in the magazines or on video, right? It's not like you see what they eat for breakfast every day on Instagram. Like people do now. Sure. So, well, you could, cause you're looking through their windows, you know? Right. Right. But they're like <laughs> heroes. Cause you don't know what they do all day. Right. Right. Um, so when you actually see them, they're larger than life. Like how athletes used to be back then. Um, now not so much. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. So you so just yeah, start was, taking off, man. And, yeah. and like, so you're filming and are you yep. doing like, are you, where's your heart in this? Are you into production? Are you into the capture, like the film side? Yeah, really the storytelling side of it. Storytelling. Uh, which is why I made documentaries. You know, I, I, I really enjoy like the personal stories. Um, you know, the two films I made in the middle there, um, Flow, which was the history of uh, modern surfing through Al Merrick and Kelly Slater and uh, Tom Curran. And um, that won a lot of film festivals. And then the next film after that, I made a film on this woman, Tara Dekitis, um, who was a professional snowboarder in the early two thousands. And, um, you know, I think, and that, that did really well in film festivals too. And really was the reason why I was able to start making music videos and, and doing all those types of things. Hey, so um, can you talk to me a little bit about, uh, Josh, the, the forte into other avenues? I think there's a lot of conversation about, like today's entrepreneur is either you have your hands in every cookie jar and you're like, Oh, I do all these things. And that's like, cool. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's the other conversation about very much finding your lane, picking a niche and being really clear that this is what you do. Are you wanting greener pastures? Are you wanting to expand out of creativity uh, and wanting to, you know, try your hand at something else? Or in your mind, is this just Hey, I'm doing the same work, but now I'm going to go into some other industries outside of surfing or athletics. When you get into music, can you tell me kind of how that transition happens and what you're thinking yeah. about? Yeah, it was really just, um, you know, it's really just it, in the film, really the transition came from when I went from films to owning a business, right? Um, even though films are really entrepreneurial, right? You're, you're doing all the production, you're getting the financing, you're dealing with the distribution and, you know, even Full though it's just, HR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're kind of doing it all right. Like you, you, um, it's, it's a very entrepreneurial experience. So I think really the, the big jump was, was going from making movies to, 
you know, having the idea for St. Archer. And then, you know, and that's, you know, I wasn't a brewer and I didn't know anybody in the beer business at all. Like I didn't know anything about anything really, but I had the idea to do a craft beer um, when I was on a surf trip in Puerto Rico and a tequila business uh, approached some of my friends that were on tour um, if they wanted to invest in the company and be a brand ambassador. And they asked me what I thought. And, and I said, well, I'm not sure if I really see tequila, but um, if you don't want to do the energy drinks or sodas, like what sponsor most surfers and skaters, um, why don't you do a beer? You know, everybody drinks beer for the most part. And if you could do a craft beer, that'd be even better because you actually drink it, you know? Right. And, it's cooler. So what, to you, what's the yeah. difference between like, and I know there's a huge difference, but what do you think yeah. between the craft beer and like the Bud Light or what have you, as far yeah. as that conversation you're having? Yeah. Or I mean, the ambassador I mean, side of things. Yeah. I think like, you know, I think being with Bud Light, there's not, um, it's just a different kind of relationship, right? Where craft beer is more handcrafted and artisanal. And um, there's generally a story told behind like a small brewery, you know, the guy that I'm talking about, Taylor Knox is from Carlsbad. So if you could find a, a brewery to align yourself with here in San Diego, that would be ideal, right? It's a great story. Um, Bud Light is, you know, Budweiser, um, in my opinion, they're the king of beers. So like, there's not a lot of well, bad things you can say. About in the their opinion beers. too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are, you can't, you can't knock the biggest beer brand in the world. Right. But, um, I think that, I think for, um, for the guys, it, it just made a lot of sense. Um, and, and I just said, well, instead of trying to find you one, why don't I just create one? Um, and of, I was like, you know, build a brewery, like how hard could it be? And how old are you at this point, Josh? I'm, uh, let's see, I'm about 32. Oh, okay. So you, you, you got that kind of adult head on your shoulders now. You've been through yeah, a lot of business. Yeah. You've seen the success. You've seen... I'm assuming in the film yeah, I mean, industry, never, it didn't yeah. always work out too. You've seen both sides. Yeah. I'd never been through this kind of business, right? Like I'd never, I didn't even know what a capital raise was, you know, and to, and to know I needed to go raise $3 million and, and have no idea how to do that. Um, you know, I, I would, I would say that nothing that I learned as a filmmaker carried into any aspect of you know, now this entrepreneurial life that I've carved out for myself here over the last nine years or so. Um, so it's been a completely different thing. I mean, and my, when I'm 32, my daughter was three and a half and my oldest son was six months old. And my wife and I, we've been together since high school. Um, we were living in Ventura and I just came home and told her we're, we're moving to San Diego and we're going to do St. Archer. Um, and can we you know, briefly ask, how did that conversation go? Yeah, it went really well. I, I'm one of the few blessed um, husbands slash entrepreneurs, I think, where I have a wife who um, has always believed in me through and through, right? And I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs' dreams, or even business owners, not just entrepreneurs, right? Any, anybody who has something else that they want to do in a lot of ways, as you kind of get older, you're, the, the dream kind of starts and stops with their spouse, right? Male or female, whatever, whoever it is. 
Um, and you know, a lot of, I think a lot of women in that situation with two little kids and all of our friends and family in Ventura would have said, you're out of your mind. You're not quitting films and, and like, you know, we're, we do well, like we have a, we have a good living here. We pay the bills and, you know, we can, we can do everything we want to do. And and you want to leave all that and move to San Diego and do a craft brewery. And you're not even a brewer and you don't, I don't get it. Right. But she didn't say any of that. Um, she said, I'll find us a place to live and wow. to San Diego. Yeah. No, that's yeah, true, so- man. That's incredible. To uh, You're speaking of the faith she has in you and your vision um, yeah. and your vision as a husband and father. That's, and that's so, I don't know if the word is underrated, but I think big time. Yeah. Big time. You know, people, everyone has a different relationship, obviously. And, you know, my wife and I, we approach business together differently, but very similar in that way where if I go to her and say, Hey, I have this idea. I think maybe this could be cool. She's going to ask yeah. a lot of questions. But if I yeah. go to my wife and say, honey, I've been praying or I've been sitting with this and I feel like this yeah. is the right thing to do, or this is something I have this vision. I bring that vision for her. She's yeah. like, where do we sign? Let's like, you know, let's, yeah. let's move forward. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I think it was a, it was a huge deal. It was really like the first hurdle without knowing it was the first hurdle. Um, well, you didn't have a hurdle. It sounds like it was on the ground. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like, but I mean, I think that's, it could have been, it could have, she could have just said, Hey, no, nah, I don't feel comfortable with it. And, um, it probably would have stopped right there, you know? Um, but moved to San Diego and, um, somehow raised $3 million to build a 17,000 square foot brewery just east of La Jolla here in, here in San Diego. And, and that's not, I mean, so if you're just east of La Jolla, it's still a, a pretty nice area down there. So it's yeah, not it's cheap industrial. real estate. No, I mean, it's industrial and, um, a lot of breweries, you know, San Diego is the craft beer capital of the United States, in my opinion. Hey, my um, opinion too. It, it's there, definitely it's, up there. It's the best. So I think, you know, that was the other thing. Like it would have been easier to just put this brewery in Ventura. You know, there is no craft breweries in Ventura at the time. There were not now there are, but. um, So you had the potential like in Ventura, you maybe could have been harder, but it also could have been easier because you'd be the attraction, right? You'd be the only brewery to come and visit and be in town, but you pick San Diego. And I want to talk about that. um, Yeah. Getting started with it. And I guess here's my question about moving into this. Um, I've talked to a couple of different people. Shockingly, I have no ties to this industry, uh, like you didn't before. But some mm-hmm. people go, "Man, I really want to have this craft brew, or you know, make a brewery." And they mm-hmm. kind of decide maybe we're going to align with something current. You're going to go down that white labeling type of deal mm-hmm. where you have your label, but with you know a yeah, manufacturer yeah. contract brewing. Yep, contract brewing. There we go. Yep. You yep. decide. I don't want that. I want no. my own brick and mortar. I want my own thing. What is it about it? Is it just is it the control? Is it the vision? Is it exciting? Like, why, why would you go down that road of let's do all of it ourselves? Yeah, I think in, um, well, first and foremost, here in San Diego, contract brewery brands do not work. They don't work. No, it's not something that is a viable option if you want people to actually be drinking and buying your beer. Um, so for me, building a brewery is the only only option. Um, like I said, if I would have done it in Ventura, I probably would have gotten, you know, we would have been the only game in town, but I never wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. I wanted to be a big fish in a big pond. I love and that. So I think for, you know, I, I thrive in kind of the pressure situations, especially, 
um, where there's a lot on the line, you know, in this case, millions of dollars on the line. Um, and I knew that if I came to San Diego and built a brewery, it would, it would either be, I'm out of business in six months or we're doing it and it's a successful business. And, and, you know, we're, we're on our way and that's exactly what happened. I mean, so, we, so there's yeah. only two options really, of course, as you're saying, and I want to briefly just kind of ask you, I don't need all the nuts and bolts necessarily, whatever you want to share, but you're talking mm-hmm. about a $3 million capital raise and yep. um, a couple questions just in, in the details for a moment, if I can. Um, Number one, what kind of business do you feel like should not consider a capital raise versus what, like, why did you think we must have this just because of the build out or are there other business factors that led you into understanding this is the business plan? I think it sounds sexy sometimes to people. I should raise capital. We can make this thing. But the reality is maybe they should lead with profits and build it slowly. Obviously you have a ton of equipment, but can you just talk about some of the factors that led to needing that amount and and starting with a capital raise for a plan. Yeah. I mean, I think first and foremost, it's really hard to raise capital, right? Sure. It's, it's hard to raise millions of dollars for your vision, right? Like that's just, you know, come to find out not easy. Not One thing raised, to get your wife on board, another thing to get $3 million on board. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've raised 45 million now over the last seven years. Holy moly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, I think for people, it, dep- it depends on the business. For us, there was no choice, right? The, the, the equipment and the brewery and the construction and, and all of the things that all of the personnel that's needed to, to really launch a successful brewery, it's going to cost millions, right? There's n- not, well, I shouldn't say not in every instance, but we were building out a production brewery. You know, we, we launched with six packs and 22 ounce bottles and draft, and you don't have to start like that, right? Like you can, you know, borrow a couple hundred grand or a hundred grand from, you know, friends and family and, and, and like, you know, try and do a small little tasting room out of a storage unit. You know, people do that stuff for me. Um, I wanted to do something way bigger from day one. And, um, you know, I had a lot of the athletes, skateboarders and surfers invest in the business. Um, but I didn't even know what a capital raise was, like I said, and, and, you know, looking back, really, I had no business raising $3 million, not being a brewer and not really have any uh, friends in the beer business or definitely no experience in the beer business. So, um, you know, and then to launch it and really be the fastest growing craft beer in the United States over the next two years was, was uh, a lot and wound up raising 10 million ultimately over those two years just to keep up. Wow. And how many rounds just for the first three, was that like two rounds? Uh, it was, the we did three rounds in our first two years before I sold the business to Coors. Gotcha. Oh my gosh. All right. We haven't even gotten to that part. This is getting yeah. good. Yeah. I knew, yeah. I knew some of the history in my research, but I did not know all of that. Um, yeah. With, with the first brewery, and of course, I want to get to Ashland, uh, the current business you're doing now, a hard seltzer business. You have a ton of co-owners and you've done really well to bring in athletes, musicians, celebrities. Yeah. And, and again, I, I love your model of not just, hey, be an ambassador, but be an investor, be an owner with us. Let's do this yeah. together. That's very cool. Um, did you start that idea with the brewery initially? Yeah. And, and maybe even yep. before, like, you know, would you have yeah. some of the athletes be producers in your surf films as well? Uh, no, they were just friends of mine. Then I, you know, met along the way and some of them were in my film. Some of them weren't, you know, Paul Rodriguez and 
Mikey Taylor and Eric Costin and, and um, all of those pro skaters. I never made films with them. They were just friends of mine. Um, but I think it's, it's, um, it was definitely in the alcohol world. It was definitely an unusual business model to have athletes as investors in promoting the brand. And, um, but coming from skateboarding and surfing, you know, there, it was pretty common. So really it was, you know, that's what I grew up in and that's what we, we know. And really the, the St. Archer was, was built like it could be a skate brand or a surf brand. We just happened to produce craft beer instead of clothes or shoes or sunglasses or whatever. Right. So it was really modeled and, and kind of, um, conceived through skateboarding. And then it just happened to be a craft beer. Gotcha. I love that. Yeah. And then did, did you, uh, on the craft beer side, is that when you got the idea or when did you get the idea to, to start kind of combining the idea of investor, co-owner and ambassador all into one? Yeah. I mean, right away for me, the, um, there was a surf brand in the, in the mid nineties called on a mission, um, that all my favorite surfers owned Taylor Knox and the Malloy brothers and Shane Dorian and Rob Machado and Taylor Steele, all these guys, Ross Williams, they all owned this accessory surf brand and what they made is irrelevant, but the impact of them owning a business and me feeling like if I buy an on a mission t-shirt, I'm supporting Ross Williams was like the best thing in the world. Right. Like a, like a made by surfers for surfers. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, you know, on a much different, larger scales, but it's kind of like Michael Jordan and, and like his, his Jordan brand in the beginning, you, 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 that was like your only connection to him, right? You'd wear Air Jordans cause you love Michael Jordan. Like that was your only way to show it. Um, and you felt like Michael owned it, right? It was like his deal. Um, even though it was all Nike, right. But, right. Um, when I kind of feel on, too, like on the Air Jordan side or, or whatever the brand is, uh-huh. there's also uh-huh. that element of, Hey, I feel like what, no matter how much he was into it, I feel like he was designing it. I feel like my sure. basketball exactly. player, I play basketball. So he's exactly. got input and it's not just some yep. up in the corporate tower, right? Yeah, it's his. And and then you feel like I'm, I'm like in a very small way um, at the same time supporting Michael Jordan and showing everybody that I'm a Michael Jordan fan, right? So like, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a lot to that and it just made a huge impression on me. Same with girl skateboards around the same time, you know, when Rick and Mike left plan B and started girl with Spike Jones. And, um, that was a huge deal, you know, like all, they had all the best guys and they owned it and, and it was the coolest brand. And so it was really taking those, all those little elements from skateboarding and surfing and just kind of putting them into craft beer, which was at the time, very unorthodox, right? Like it just, it just wasn't an industry that had seen something like what, what we've seen for years in, in those two industries. Sure. Cause you're having, um, well, you're having like monster or Red Bull and that kind of thing. Sure. And like you talked about or rockstar. Or, yeah. <laughs> rockstar and yeah, like, certainly not yeah. craft beer. No. And the guys just like, you know, they drink, well, they're sponsored by those beverages, but you're a world-class athlete. You know, you're probably not sucking back a monster, right? And it, <laughs> it's much it's, just, more, it's, it's a culture, just, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice that they, you know, make people think that, but in a lot of these guys' cans is water, you know? Yeah. They're not really drinking a Red Bull. They're, well, yeah. 
And let's let's move on because I want to get to to Ashland and the idea of a hard seltzer and kind of the timeline for that too. But before I do, um, last quick question on the craft brewery: Did you start or at least early on with the idea of exiting and and making a sale, or is this something that you got approached and you went, "Holy crap! I didn't expect this, but why not? Let's move on." You said you sold yeah, I mean, stores. How does this happen? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you you take millions of dollars of people's money, there you, you got to have some sort of an answer for how they're going to get it back, right? And not only get it back, but make a return on their investment, right? So, um, it was definitely always there. I, I knew I needed to get their money back, but um, you know, I had needed ten million more dollars just to keep going, and at that same time, we had companies put offers in on the business and. One thing led to another and, and we, we sold it to Coors about two and a half years in. About two and, and a half then, years in? Yeah. And I'm assuming yeah. you did okay for yourself? Yeah, I did good. Yeah, I did good. <laughs> good. Um, I think for me, you know, for me, it's, it's never been about the money. And I think a lot of people say that. It sounds nice to say that, right? Because you don't want to sound like this, you know, materialistic kind of jerk. But for me... I, it's all about the competition for me. It, it being an entrepreneur is, um, in a lot of ways, a very stressful life, right? It's not, uh, people read the magazines and it sounds nice to say that you're an entrepreneur, but when you're, you know, as competitively driven as I am, um, it's all consuming, you know, it's, it's an all consuming thing, which is probably why I've started five businesses in the last three years since I left St. Archer. Um, yeah, it's, it's, so it's, you know, and I think, um, you know, the motivating factor for me has never been money. It's still not, um, and never will be, but, um, you know, starting Ashland, I think, you know, it was the same kind of thing as craft as St. Archer. I, I, it's what my friends and family are drinking. And, um, I saw a massive hole in the segment where there's no brands, you know, white claw and truly are not necessarily, you know, brands, they're kind of made by the masses, you know, and, and there was no independent hard seltzer that was like telling a story. There's and, no, and it, there's no craft brew in the seltzer space. Right. Right. How long into, cause like I'm, I'm a consumer, like a lot of other people. Right. So I walk into right. the store and I go, Oh, there's this new thing, hard seltzer. That's interesting. And I know right. it's kind of been around, right. But not really, no one's drinking it. And now all of a sudden, Hey, hundred calories, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go yeah. get this instead of these heavy IPAs that I, st I started getting into for a while. Um, Definitely. So talk to me a little bit about the time frame of, and I'm sure you're going to be a lot clearer than I would be. So when would you say that hard seltzer really kind of hit the market as a concept? And then yeah. when did Ashland come in? Was it before or after the Bud Lights and Coronas? Can it walk me through a yeah. little bit of that backstory yeah, yeah. of the industry itself, if you can? Yeah, hard seltzer. I mean, really, you know, White Claw truly been around for the last couple, two, three years, right? Um, but I think it really caught fire last summer. Yeah. Um, last summer is when you started to really see White Claw, really White Claw, right? Like White Claw is the is the really the phenomenon. Um, and it just took off. And I think, you know, they had out of stock issues and they had all these things. And I think that really opened the door for truly. Um, but we you know, and I, so I had the idea for Ashland in July of, or yeah, July of last year. Um, and from idea to market was five months, which is really fast. Yeah. 
I mean, that sounds, um, that's, that's fast for anything. You can't have a yeah, baby in five months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was fast. And I think because I saw, you know, a lot of craft breweries are doing seltzers, but there needed to be like a standalone, you know, Ashland isn't a craft beer doing a seltzer. All we do is seltzer, you know, that's, and I think that's what the category was lacking was, you know, as with light beer, in the seventies and then into the early eighties, you know, it needed like a craft version, which was then, you know, Sierra Nevada and Boston beer and a few others. Right. And that's what um, first kind of broke the mold from the Miller lights, exa- right, Budweiser's right. and Coors. So it's really like Ashland kind of, uh, you know, going in a different direction as like an artisanal craft version of a hard seltzer. You know, we taste different than they do. Those are malt based beverages and, uh, ours is, is the alcohol comes from fermented sugar. So it really tastes like a Pellegrino with 5% alcohol. And, and that's another thing that I would say, not just on the hard side, but on the, what the virgin side of yep. uh, seltzers, you know, those of also the bubblies and the, that's what, huge. What's it, right. They've taken off like my fridge used to have various different sodas and things. And of now course, of course. It's, it's all packed bub- full yeah. of bubblies and all so, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really took soda out right? As where I think hard seltzer is taking out craft beer specifically. That's incredible. Um, and the yeah. only difference, see my fridge, if I can be so bold, still has some IPA. It has some different sure. craft beers. I like local, right? Because that's the thing. Right. But it's also full of different seltzers. Hopefully Ashland very soon. I'm looking. Yeah, that would that. be nice. Yeah, we can. Well, you're talking to the right guy. Hey, uh, do you, no, do, you have a, do you have a hookup? <laughs> I do. I do. Maybe able to wrangle a couple cases. Oh, that'll be um, incredible. I just got to I mean, come down to San Diego to Cardiff by the sea and grab some. Um, I want to I want to make sure we have a little time to plug this to not just talk about the story. Um, so, of course, we're going to plug and story. But like I'm looking, you know, at at what you have available. And a couple of things, of course, stick out is number one, um, organic. Number two, you know, gluten free. And I'm sure there's are there brands that, that have gluten or like depending on how they brew it? Is that, uh, I, think that I think they pretty much all are right. You know, I think they're all, yeah, I think, you know, I, I know truly and like, they're all, they're all uh, gluten free. Gotcha. But yeah. you have a difference. Um, where did this idea alkaline water, if I go down to my mm-hmm. local whole foods or mother's market, you know, there's alkaline waters everywhere and the pH and that's become a pretty big health phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Is that one of those gaps you're talking about where you go, you know, I don't really see a quote healthy uh, version or I don't see a, you know, the crunchy hippie wants the alkaline. I'm not talking down to that, but you know what I'm saying? Like what, yeah. where did the idea of alkaline come yeah, from? Yeah. I mean, we, we just wanted the clean, cleanest beverage we could have, you know, really um, the alkaline water is like what we're brewing with. So it was kind of an easy it, you know, when the pH is over seven, it's yep. alkaline, right? So we're, we're naturally brewing with that anyways. And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. I didn't even realize that. So um, you were already doing that just because it creates yeah. a superior product. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just, yeah, it's a better tasting product. Um, Who came up I, with I the idea? Want, it's already interrupt. You came me. up with the idea. We yeah. should, we should market the thing we're already doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, why are we telling anybody this? Um, so that was exciting. Um, but I, I just wanted, like I said, I wanted a seltzer water with that wasn't really flavored. I, I didn't want the aftertaste like I've gotten on so many of the other brands and, you know, ours is just yeast, uh, water, 5% alcohol and an organic essence. That's it. No, there's nothing else in it. It's easy. And I think that's why people have gravitated towards it. And they're kind of dangerous. You can drink three or four of them and you're, 
you don't even realize what's going on until you stand up and go, Whoa, good afternoon. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Not like with the heavy IPAs, you have, yeah. have a, a, a bourbon barrel aged stout and you're like, Whoa. Yeah. That, those are just, and I think, you know, I'm 41 and um, I have three kids and um, I like to surf and all those things. Like the beers are just not in the cards for me anymore. You know, maybe I'll have one, but like, if I'm like drinking and we're at a barbecue or doing whatever, like, you know, everybody's drinking hard seltzer. Nobody hey, is nobody's drinking six beers anymore. Like those days are long gone. No, well, look, and, and going back to your wife and my wife being supportive, I'm 40 years old. And, and if I can't have an IPA belly, you know, no. at, at 45, right. And, no. and I'm going to no. have that. <laughs> no. And you just don't like, I had a couple of beers the other night and I just, you just don't feel as good. Right. You know, it's just like the, the, you feel blo- It's funny. Um, like when I knew that the health thing, like the better for you health lifestyle really finally found its way to alcohol basically. Right. And I think hard seltzer is the fourth category, right? It's going to be spirits, wine, beer, and hard seltzer in America. I'd agree um, with that. What What are your yeah. top selling flavors? Cause you have some interesting ones. I want to try blackberry lemonade. looks really, that's good. our number one. I that's knew it. Yeah. Um, that's number one. They all do well. Um, and since it's really a variety pack driven category, yeah. You, you know, you never know. I see all the flavors on Instagram. Um, but it's funny going back to the, you know, Cody Bellinger, uh, who's now a world series champion as, as of last night, uh, from the Dodgers, he, when, when he came on board, um, to be a part of this with me, I was asking him why he drinks hard seltzer. Right. And here's the 23 year old MVP of baseball saying, I just don't like feeling bloated. Hmm. Well, when I was 23, I didn't even know what bloated meant. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I'm like, oh, bloated, what does that mean? Do you have a balloon? I don't get it. Um, yeah. But nowadays, that's the difference between today's world and, and, um, and maybe what was around 15, 20 years ago was, you know, people in their early 20s, they're health conscious. They're eating organic food and they're, they're careful about what they put in their body, whether it's Cody Bellinger and Jared Goff or, or just the average guy walking down the street who's going to the gym a couple times a week, right? Like, um, you know, Jared, quarterback of the Rams, he's saying the same thing we are, man. Yeah, I don't want to be bloated. I want to feel yeah. good. I don't want to. Yeah. Also, that kind of that, I think like I don't drink enough to ever be hung over, but there's still that feeling of when you For drink sure. something like an IPA or even wine, it's like you still have the sugar. Is it's the sugars, right? And it's the, the dehydration. You, exactly. The sugar is what gives you the hangover, right? So like with Ashlyn, there's no sugar in it. There's there's nothing in it. It's it there's you know, so I think people really like that too. And it's all ages and all it's not it's not like a young person's drink. I mean, we see people buying the and on Instagram from 21 to 65. Male, female, rich, poor, black, white, doesn't matter. Everybody's drinking it. Everyone's into Ashlyn. Well, hey guys, you can follow and find out who's drinking Ashlyn Hard Seltzer at Ashlyn Hard Seltzer on Instagram. That's pretty easy. Yeah, and then you can follow Josh, Josh Landon. Uh, that's L-A-N-D-A-N, Josh Landon underscore. Make sure you hit yep. the underscore because that is the real Josh Landon. Josh Landon right. underscore on Instagram and find out all he is up to. Josh, man, thank you for coming on the show and spending the time with us. Um, and your sure. story it was just really fun to get to know you. I hope we get a chance to do do this again. 
Uh, please let me know when the next flavors launch. I'll have you back on. We'll talk about a little more of your story. <laughs> It'll be a blast. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Josh. Alrighty. All right, y'all, that is The Driven Entrepreneur this week. Hey, listen, check out Ashlyn Seltzer, man. Um, they are San Diego, Southern California local. So if you're in the SoCal region, um, you can certainly get that. I know, of course, you listen to this show from all over the place. So keep an eye out at Instagram uh, on ashlynseltzer.com uh, and at Ashlyn Seltzer, and you'll find out everything you need to know. Sorry, Ashlyn Hard Seltzer on Instagram. And you'll find out when they're coming to your town as well. So thanks again to my, uh, my guest, Josh. What a lovely man and great to get to know you, buddy. Hey, get out there, stay driven and stay awake, stay alert. Drink responsibly, of course, if you're going to at all. And if you are going to drink, enjoy hard seltzer responsibly and social distance. All right, bye.